live from Parts Unknown, it's the KNA Sports Picks Podcast. see us as the sports guys you know the athletic guys but I think we want to show that we're well-rounded guys and we like to read we like to do things non-sports so I think it'll be fun for the uh, listeners to see a a different side to the uh, Cofield boys so speaking of um, of, you know sports before we get into it uh, we had some exciting times in the great state of Colorado. Didn't something magical happen recently? Yes, the Colorado Avalanche. They won Lord Stanley's Cup. In my opinion, best trophy in sports. Um, and yeah, they they dominated. They did not. There was no time during the playoffs when they faced a deficit in the in a uh, series, and they defeated the back-to-back champion Tampa Bay Lightning. And, yeah, it was great to see. The whole town really got behind them because, you know, Denver sports, the Rockies been mediocre, the Broncos haven't been good these past few years. So, really, the whole town has gotten behind the abs. Um, the parade was downtown. Um, I had to break my my – promise from the last podcast I had to work so I didn't get to go but on the bus ride to work that day I was going toward bold toward bold toward bold toward boulder but there were hundreds of people going from boulder to um to the parade in downtown uh, Denver in their avalanche gear so it was great to see the whole town really got be uh, got behind them and yeah, that's, that's awesome. And there no um, no riots or anything. No, no. It seemed like it was all good, clean, fun. Um, 
I know this might, you might find this a little sketchy, but Russell Wilson, um, I guess he, he got on the Avs bandwagon, I think was really cheering them on. Um, but so I know that might break your heart, but. Well, speaking for the 12s and Seahawks Nation, I can, I can tell you where we are. I mean, we enjoyed the, the ride, you know, 10 years Russell Wilson was um, in the Seahawks, but on to a new chapter. Creepy, all his, his uh, let's ride uh, videos that he's doing for, for the uh, Broncos. And you know, the Broncos play the Seahawks the first game of the year. So. Wow. Yeah, so he's, it'd be interesting to see this reception. And I just want to give a shout out to Pete Girl and the Seahawks for not signing Baker Mayfield going with Gino and Drew Locke. You know, if uh, you know, chances are they're not the answer. But next year's draft is going to be. Yeah, well, I think better, always better to wait the um, you know bide your time than get into a huge con than get into a huge to having to pay May a field for the next ten years some ungodly amount of uh, money. So it, I like it, and that this is weird for the Panthers now. They have on the roster the number one and the number three um, picks from the 2019, um, 2018, sorry, 2018 draft in Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. So they'll, they'll both be competing. Wow. Yeah. So like next year's next year's draft should be good. And quick shout out to the Mets as of to, as of right now they're still first in the NL East and. KNA Sports is fully behind the Mets and hoping that um, they st- they they stay at the top of, of the East when the weather starts to cool. Yeah, and a, um, a little side note: um, when it first came to um, the Pacific Northwest, they very rarely see people with uh, Mets hats. But uh, last weekend, went to the Blues Festival and saw quite a few people. Um, folks in Mets hats, so you know, Mets nationally, I think, are are being recognized for being the comeback kids. Let's go Mets! So, um, yeah, summer reading, summer reading. So, um, I know that uh, we've got a couple books that that, um, that you have found. Fascinating. Any any books that you've read recently that you can recommend to our listeners? Yes, we'll start with a fiction recommendation. An Artist of the Floating World by Nobel Prize winner Kazu uh, Ishiguro. Um, I think his most famous book was Never Let Me Go. Um and Remains of the uh, Day, which was made into an excellent film with Sir Anthony Hopkins as the lead. But I read one of his other works, and and um, it was excellent. It was a very subtle novel. So if you're looking for, you know, fast-paced romance, action, adventure, this is going to be more of a quiet read. 
but it's about an artist who painted propaganda um, art for Japan during World War II. And it takes place in about 1949. So Japan is lost. And now everyone looks back at his art in that time. There's a lot of anger by the younger uh, generation toward the older generation for leading them into this war where so many folks died. And he's having to grapple with his legacy and sort of the question, did he waste his talent serving an unjust cause? Um, and one of the things it really does well is a lot of it is told through his uh, memory. So there's a lot of unreliability where you're not sure if what he remembers is the truth, if he's potentially maybe remembering in a, in a more positive light to absolve him, uh, him, him, himself. I thought it was really good, especially now, you know, there's a lot of tension and anger, I think, between in our current time, the older generation and the younger uh, generation. And it's sort of a reminder, you know, that tension isn't new, that's always there. There's always going to be a bit of the young blaming the old and the old maybe looking back with the benefit of hindsight and seeing mistakes that they made. So I just think that's a very human thing. Um, but I think if you're looking for a slow read, if you're looking to learn about Japan during a fascinating time uh, period, then I would give this book a go. Yeah, that's, that's a fascinating topic uh, on memories. fascinating because it seems like you know as time goes by our reflections or memories of, of our past past events kind of kind of changes to, to where where we are in our, our current state um, when he was having those um, the lead character was having those reflections about doing the um, propaganda art what was his mindset um, when he was young in, in doing um, doing those those paintings? At, at the time, was it was he kind of just you know this is what everyone was doing? Was there did he think you know consciously was there any conflict that he had when he was doing it um, during the during the war leading up to the war? It didn't seem like there was a lot of conflict. Um, I think when he was doing it, he was very gung-ho. I think an important thing historically, you know, Japan was really quite nationalistic in the 20s and 30s. Um, there was just a lot of patriotic fervor. Everyone believed the emperor was in the right. Um, it really wasn't until the 40s, I think, when so many young Jap so many young lives were lost and of course the nuclear bombings kind of woke people up and made them realize just how their government had led them into this war that they had no chance to win and that it cost so many lives but before that i think everyone was fully on board and there's kind of the spirit of war where there just wasn't a lot of questioning. So I think he was very much caught up in that spirit. 
and was only really questioning now, and it was only really to start on him, to dawn on him now, because he, his wife died at the very end of the war from a, a bombing, and he's sort of grappling now because he's meeting younger folks in the street, and he's sort of realizing how they view him and how they view his uh, generation, and I think that's starting to wake him, him up. Fascinating. Yeah. yeah, there's always been, um, you know, conflict of, of war, of, of going back and looking, looking uh, mistakes in a country uh, like Japan. Um, you got so so caught up in the war. And at first, there were they had so much success; they were sweeping, sweeping across sweeping across Asia and they kind of got blinded by the success of the war and the nationalism, extreme nationalism belief that they were they were right. Right. Yeah. And I think definitely an important reminder wherever you are in life, you know, to always step back and question and not just always go along with the masses because what can seem so clearly right you know you never know in 10 or 15 years could seem wrong who knows what the how people will look at our generation in 40 or years or, or um, so you never know you never know how a history is going to be a difficult thing to do when you have um, media in this case the media was the propaganda art so you had the propaganda art was was influencing you know, the public on you know, the validation of how this was a good cause. You take it to the modern society where you have you know social media influencers telling you a particular particular thing. It's really hard to cross. Yeah. Yeah. And you read this book too, and I think you would give it your. I did. I did. It's been, it's been a few years, and you know, yeah, I read it. Um, I read his other two books that, that you mentioned. I think uh, I think I did a search, and I couldn't couldn't find if they ever made this this um, this book, um, the artist of a floating world, into a movie. I don't think they they have, but because it's much quieter, it's a yeah. But remains of the day with Sir Anthony Hopkins, an excellent film. Yeah, is he a Tottenham Hotspur fan? It's a great question. He might be a little too posh for Tottenham. <laughs> so I think uh, so. Excellent, excellent uh, fiction. Recommendation. How about are, is there any nonfiction books that you read recently that you recommend? Yes, yeah, so I'm in the middle of reading. It's a book called Stolen Fo Stolen Focus by Johan uh, Harris. Um, so it's about how our attention. We're really struggling to, as a, as people within this current. Uh, uh, society, we're struggling to keep our focus on one thing. 
we're all feeling fragmented and we're struggling to uh, focus for long lengths of, um, of um, time. And this book explores why that is. Why can't we uh, focus? Why do we feel the need, you know, when we're working on one thing to pull out our phones? Or why do we struggle to sit down and read a book for a long time? And he does talk about technology, but he talks about there are many causes from our diets to now we're sleeping an hour less than we were 100 years ago um, to, you know, we're fragmented in work. Um, the speed of life is getting faster. So there are all these forces that are combining to make it really hard now to, um, to pay, uh, to, um, to uh, focus for long periods of, um, of um, time. But it's really important, you know, if we want to solve the world's issues, if we want to be creative, if we want to enjoy life, to have, um, to have this, um, to be uh, able to uh, focus, but we're really struggling to uh, do it. Yeah, that reminds me of a book um, that Cal Newport wrote called um, Deep Work. like you were saying, our attention is so fragmented like if you're at work you get pinged with emails you get pinged with an instant message and so it really um, but he, he took it you know from kind of the social media, the device mm-hmm. perspective he didn't, he really hasn't in his, in his books, he may have but I, I haven't seen it like as far as what you're talking about, some internal intrinsic things that uh like the diet and the sleep so that's right. fascinating so a hundred years ago how many hours of sleep um, on average so, you say was it eight hours or i think it was close to eight it was an hour more than it is now um our sleep has really gone downhill and sleep is so important for um for um just about anything you want to uh, do. He said the equivalent, when we go about 19 hours without sleep, it's like having the equivalent of about a 0.005 blood alcohol uh, level. And then if you go 23 hours without sleep, it's it's the same as being drunk. So our brains really break down when we don't get the sleep we need and we struggle to um to um we struggle to read we struggle to uh, work um so sleep is huge he said if only one change if there had only been one change and and it had been our loss of sleep that would have been um that would have sent us into a focus uh crisis but of course in addition to sleep, also our diets have gotten worse, our phones, all of this rise in technology. So it's fascinating. And I think if anyone who wants to get more focus at work, wants to get more uh, focus at home for their relationships, I would definitely recommend this book. And for his, for his diet, did, 
was there any particular thing diet that he recommended or was it more like don't eat these things because these things are going to rob you of your attention i think he talked a lot about artificial foods kind of going back to more of the foods we were eating 100 years ago like how our great grandparents say butter exactly red wine <laughs> He even said something as simple as red dye that we put in a lot of foods has been shown to decrease the um, our um, our um, focus. So yes, like you said, back to the meats, back to the cheeses, and back to the red wine. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, that. That sounds. I'm also on the wait list at the at the library, so I'm on that. Definitely, definitely want to check check that out. And does in his book did he give any tips as far as um, cutting back on you know, social media, phone? Yeah. So he gives a lot of great tips. Um, he does recognize that you know. Our society is built to make it difficult to uh, focus, so it's not just on you. But he said you can make take uh, simple steps like sleep more, read more books, and that was a huge thing because he said books you're sitting down for hours at a time focused on one thing, whether it's nonfiction or uh, fiction. Just read more books. I think that's a muscle that we're that is being lost, um, but that's huge. So, in that vein, I, I, uh, my book, you know, hopefully this has helped my focus. Uh, I read, I read the book Anna Karenina. Um, so that, wow. that's that's my fiction book, and it's the largest book I've ever read. Eight hundred. 800 more pages and of course you know I, I've never seen any of the movie movies but you know obviously you know it's cliche everyone knows that Anna, Anna the character Anna Karenina throws herself in front of the you know the train um, but there's which which is sad and, and tragic and um, I'm sure the movies go into it but but the book really doesn't even describe her mental state that led her to commit suicide, but there's all, there's so many other characters in 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 the book. It's fascinating the way that he writes because he really he really gets into the characters' internal dialogue. Those things that we're thinking, what we think that other people are thinking. Um, wow. He does a, he does an excellent job about that. You were talking about uh, the artist of a floating world and the conflict, or, or you know, the just young people versus old people. This book was written in the eighteen late eighteen seventies. You know, same kind of topics like you know, the old versus the young. Um, you know, the there was. The city versus versus the country, the, the peasants and the, and the nobility, 
a lot of the same topics that are you know current modern or we consider them modern topics about social inequality you know, flyover states versus these left coast states i mean he wrote about it you know, obviously from a russian perspective but the 1870s but a lot of these topics are very humanistic I mean, it's fascinating you know, the, the book and a lot of did a really good job of covering society you know, technology you know, the trains being the technology. Ah. And, um, so he, um, he he was not a uh, Tolstoy was not a very technologist he uh, lamented in his life the, the train because he thought that it completely changed mm. the, the rural parts of um, Russia. There's one character that I really liked, uh, his name is Levin. He, um, a lot of scholars speculate that Levin was kind of like Tolstoy. So uh, mm. this, he kind of, you know, in a lot of ways, that's his voice where Tolstoy had this conflict early in his life about his spirituality. Hmm. So this character, Levin, has the, has the same same conflicts of spirituality. Um, you know, he's, he, he can, early in the book, he's very nihilistic, thinking, you know, he says, what's life all about? You know, hmm. just pop into existence. And life has no, no meaning. So, Know, his character goes goes through an arc of finding finding meaning in his life and finding his own spiritual life. Is it told in first person or third person? He switches. He kind of switches back and forth. He switches. So you really get inside the character's head, and then he kind of describes describes the character. So he kind of switches it around and it was interesting that he, he submitted like several chapters to this magazine and he was really dissatisfied with the way it sounded and i've heard it said before you know that's one of the the great books you know a human should read before dying did and it's such a hyped book did it live up to the hype Oh, it did. It definitely did. You know, was, All right. when I picked it up at the library, I was like, good God, 800, 800 pages. And I know that, that Anna is going to throw herself on a, on a train, but you know, I really, I really enjoyed um, all the characters and enjoyed the glimpse of what, what Russia was like in the 1870s. And, you know, the topics topics that the characters face are topics that we're, we're facing in the 21st century. It's just technology is different, but it's still the same yeah. human emotions that, that we all go through. Yeah, well, in stolen, uh, oh, well, in the non-fiction uh, book that I was saying, that was one of the reasons why he was saying we should read uh, Empathy. You know, by reading books and getting in folks head versus when we're just online when we sit down and spend hours with a character we learn to see the world in a new way so it sounds like from both the um, 
books that we've read, you know, we're never going to live in Imperial Russia or <laughs> Japan, you know, right after the uh, Second World War. But, you know, I think we can see what that was like and see how it's also similar to our lives here in America in 2022. America. All right. Yeah, so these are some some really um, classics and uh, a new fiction book that I think is important, important for our listeners. Are there any uh, podcasts recently that, that you've listened to that you'd recommend for, for summer listening? I have not been listening to as many podcasts, do you, but I know you're the podcast master. Do you have a couple? I, I, I do. I do have one that I listened to the other day. Uh, Barry Weiss, the um, uh, greatness of Barry Weiss. She had a, in her podcast, um, she recorded a speech that she gave to a few students at, the, at this new university. Have you heard that they're there's a new university in Austin. They created oh, wow. so they created this university um, as a response to universities not being open to discussion or some professors being canceled for speech that administration students thought that uh, wasn't appropriate. So this is this is. Um, an opportunity for a university to have more people. Yeah, so they're, the, you know, that, that, that's the big thing that she's striving for into, you know, be able to have, have a more open, open dialogue in the university. So whether you agree with her or not, I think it's, it's interesting, you know, the concept of, of, uh, you know, university, um, new universities and competing with with um, with the current current university. So I, th- I think it's a no matter where where you are on the spectrum of um, you know, universities. I think it's, yeah. it's an interesting listen. Well, I think that's great because I think academia can be so you know static. There, you know, a lot of these universities have existed for hundreds of years and haven't changed um and i think when there can be that static things can get stale you know or there can be bureaucracy and corruption so i think having a new place may be where there can be some you know competition and some fresh takes i think that's great why not try it yep yeah absolutely i think uh and give it give it a whirl. Um, yeah, that's really the only the only podcast that uh, I can I can recommend. The other podcasts I'm kind of listening to are are sports, Seahawk podcast, or or finance podcast. Um, do listen to some physics podcast, but I think I think um, that Barry Weiss recent recent episode is one one worth listening to. Um, any TV shows or movies? Well, Jeopardy, um, you know, we're just, can my two thoughts on Jeopardy, the first is this season, if anyone's been watching on uh, Jeopardy, there have been 
four or five people who have won 10 games or more. You know, there used to be one person every other season who would win 10 games. And now you've had four or five folks in one uh, season that have won 10 games or uh, more. So people are trying to figure out, like, with the pandemic, people have more time to study. Um, are with online, are there just more resources now so people are getting smarter? Or is it just a random statistical fluke? You know, how there can be those modes where there could be just a weird uh, data point. Um, but that's kind of been fun to see all these long runs. And I think they're, Jeopardy's planning to have the tournament of uh, champions in November. And there should be some epic heavyweights, Matt, Amodio, Amy, Ryan. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and then also on the Jeopardy front, I have to say I'm Team Ken for host. I think that um, it's time to name him the permanent host. Mayim has done a good job, but I just think there's something about Ken's personality that's just perfect for the uh, Jeopardy stage. He has the right mix of intelligence, humor. He's good with the with those. I think he has a great TV uh, presence. Make Ken host. So have they decided? Have they made a decision if they're or are they going to continue alternating them? The last I've heard, they're still going to tag team. Um, and I don't think they've made a decision on one or the um which i don't think the tag team is bad but i say just give it to ken yeah i, I mean i think Maya has really upped her game the last the last uh, few weeks that i've been watching um the one the one thing critique and i do this i i know that i couldn't host um, oh no i couldn't either but I would be a great public relations or public PA announcer. Like if the Seahawks or was looking for, or the Portland Timbers were looking for a PA announcer, I'm your guy, but not hosting. Um, but um, the one critique I would say is um, when the contestant uh, gives an answer, she has a, a long pause. Sometimes it seems like between saying, you know, that was correct or that's incorrect. Yes. Yeah. And I completely agree with you. You know, I know I'm nit uh, picking and I know if they put me up there, I'm sure the U.S. does not want to see that. So, Mayim, you're definitely doing a better job than I could do. It's not that I think Mayim is bad. I just think Ken is perfect for the role. Um, so, and I just don't know how... How how have they made something so simple as choosing the next host such a long drawn process? <laughs> this is this is the the world the world we live in. You know everything's too calm. You know I don't think people are just afraid to take the simple easy way now. Everything has to be calm. Everything has to be hard and complicated. Yeah, just make a quick rash decision. Exactly. Hey, um, before we go, I wanted to remind all our listeners that we do have a Patreon page, and a lot of people have been asking, you know, our listeners, what do you get 
when, you know, um, as a Patreon member to the KNA Sports Picks podcast. Well, this is really, really, really exciting. So if you do not subscribe, you do not get any commercials. But if you are a Patreon member, you will get at least five minutes of commercials and classic 1960s, 1970s commercials. Somehow we found a way for, you know, old commercials to finance the KNA Sports Big Podcast. And we want, uh, we know that our listeners have been craving commercials. They've been complaining that we do not have commercials. So I don't like it. So, you know, sign up, be on our Patreon, um, be a Patreon member. It's going to be on the show notes. And, you know, you can, you can have podcasts with commercials. Perfect. I don't know why you wouldn't sign up. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's a really, really deep philosophical question. Uh, the other thing is, is um, um, I'm going to actually start writing on our KNA Sports Picks um, website. I'm going to start breaking down, analyzing the upcoming NFL season, uh, starting with the AFC East. AFC East Classic. Well, I will read that, and I look forward. It's going to. I think that's a fascinating place to to uh, to uh, start. Absolutely. So forget Sports Illustrated, forget ESPN, um, KNA Sports Pick is the the um, place. Um, so, uh, TK, any any other summer recommendations for our fans? Yeah, well, I'd say my summer recommendation would just be, you know, enjoy the outside. You know, hike, paddleboard, just go for a walk garden you know it's a great time sunshine uh, vitamin d um and i would say to the canic i know it's a slow time in sports now i hope they enjoyed our excursion into the world of books but i think we're excited for a great fall um i think we're i imagine we'll have a show analyzing the baseball playoffs we'll have our famous nfl pre you we'll see who we can get on the show this year i know we've had past giants like glenn graves and ed so maybe we can even have a giant of the kna sports picks world come for this fall so it's going to be an exciting fall the world cup preview the legends of the fall so yeah so stay tuned absolutely absolutely so um yeah it's uh, you know, I like it. I think that's that's a great, um, great recommendations for hiking. Looking forward to hiking in Colorado. Maybe we could we could uh, record a podcast up in Bear Peak. Um, yes, that'd be awesome. But yeah, enjoying enjoying um, enjoying the summer. Um, you know, good times, good food. Um, can't wait for Seahawks season. Go so, Hawks. Go Hawks. So is, is the Broncos, is that in Seattle? That is in Seattle. Wow. September 12th. September. Game. Wow. What's interesting, too, is uh, the Browns are week one. They're going to Carolina to play um, to 
to play Baker Mayfield and the Panthers. Wow. So the NFL, they always find a way to entertain us. Oh, yeah. Greatest spectacle on earth. Well, TK, it's been a pleasure. Look forward to uh, our podcast coming up this fall. Fun is a little child watching you make a party from a package. Pillsbury Deluxe Golden Yellow Cake. Fun is frosting, fluffy, white, swirling, high. Pillsbury, too. Light the candles of fun on your golden yellow cake. Pillsbury Deluxe. Shortening makes it tenderly moist. Brings out the flavor. The fun. Wasn't your Pillsbury golden yellow cake fun? While it lasted.